Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. It's Odds and End Zones, a podcast feature of MileHighReport.com. From props to parlays to totals and spreads, it's time to sweat it out. Here are your hosts, Ian St. Clair and Adam Malnati. Adam, the Broncos released Brandon McManus. And that's all that we're going to talk about that, since he's a kicker. Yeah, I'm good with that. I mean, yeah. Well, how about, I'll say this. The last player to be on the team from the Super Bowl 50 team. Okay, sure. So end of an era. But is it really? Peyton Manning is always in-house. So good. Not really. Not, but you know what I mean. He's P- PFM is always around. He's always, he's ever-present. He's, he's, his, 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 his mojo is always in Denver. Although... Maybe we shouldn't say that with the last seven years. Anyway, I digress. Let's get, let's move on to news, news and good things. And this is actually great news and a positive sign. For those who don't know, the Broncos started OTA practice. They were out on the field with Sean Pate and the coaching staff for the first time. And Javante Williams was limited. He was actually partaking in drills. And by all accounts from the guys, or the, the media, I should say, who are out there, he looked really good. That is a huge development for the Broncos and this offense. Absolutely. Uh, Javante Williams was uh, heading into last season. He was that that player that I think a lot of people, I mean, and if you look at like fantasy drafts, for example, and we will uh, be heading towards the fantasy football season here as well. But if you look at the way drafts broke out, uh, or broke down last year heading into the season, 
Javante Williams was going uh, oftentimes top 30. He was going to be that breakout player. And I think if I recall correctly, and I'd have to really think hard about it, but I do remember feeling like he had a shot at being the, uh, you know, one of those guys that was going to lead the team in touchdowns and, and, and really help carry the Broncos to a winning season. And it didn't happen. And it wasn't his fault that they were a bad team. I, I think if he had played the whole season, it would have just been a nice bright spot and we would have seen some more angry runs. Um, but knowing that he's out there, that he's putting his knee to the test now in May versus July or August, that does bode well for the potential start of the season, right? I mean, you could see him being on the field at week one, ready to roll. And that leads into a quote from Sean Payton, who obviously spoke to the media on the first OTA practice on Thursday. Listen, we do a medical report every night. We list the players as full, limited, or out. He's working in a limited capacity. We are being smart, obviously, and I can say this to you before. We were encouraged heading into this time of the season. It's good to have him out there. And all the things that you referenced, there was one comparison now that Sean Payton is in the fold with his offense and as the head coach to Javante Williams when he was drafted. And one of the running backs that had a comparison to was Alvin Kamara. And if there is a way to have him in that mode, I I think that's going to be massive for this offense. But it's not just the Alvin Kamara aspect of it. He has some Marshawn Lynch, as you mentioned, the angry runs. And I think the way that George Payton and Sean Payton constructed this offensive line and the way they went about it, it's clearly setting up to be a run-first offense where they want to get the running game going so that helps Russell Wilson instead of relying on Russell Wilson. It's it's a really smart play on Sean Payton's part to look at what Russell Wilson needs. And it's clear that what he needs is help by taking the pressure off of him and giving the offense that running attack that will allow Russell Wilson to play off of it. And that's where he is in his career. It's a really smart move on Sean Payton's part to build that up. And if Pookie's in the mix, if Javante Williams is, is, is back and in the mix, that just makes them better. As long as he is uh, as productive or close to as productive as he was before the injury. I know that there will always be concerns. I think that, uh, you know, Joe Mahoney actually uh, did a, a piece on how well running backs play after an injury like this. And it's not usually good, but I also believe that the, the science behind this type of injury has changed over the course of the last 10 or 12 years now where this is the type of injury that 30 years ago, 40 years ago, it was a, it was a career ender. Uh, 15 years ago, it was one that maybe you got back on the field for a little bit. And today, I think it's one that guys can fully recover from because of the, the medical field and the advancements that have been made in that particular area. And, and obviously, that's pushed by the NFL and by the need for it. 
with with National Football League and college football and high school players. And it's one of those things that uh, I believe is a good thing. And when you look at what Sean Payton wants to do, obviously there's still more things that can happen. But Pookie's, Pookie's a, a good thing to have sitting there uh, waiting to come in to start week one, especially with what he is is creating here in Denver. And even if he's not able to start week one, you have a pretty good backup in Samaji Pirine being there to to help take the load. And all you need to do is look at what he did with Cincinnati Bengals the last couple of seasons, who filled in incredibly well for Joe Mixon. So even if Javante Williams isn't able to start or go week one, or he's in a limited role, Pirine is right there. And I think that was an underrated but very good signing by the Broncos in the offseason. Yeah, and and that's something that is with Sean Payton in the fold. That is what is to be expected. I, I believe that, as we have said throughout the course of this entire offseason, wh- whatever he wants to do is fine. <laughs> that's really, that's been my my motto. It's my mantra. I, th- I think I say it to myself before I go to bed. Uh, I think I say it to myself as I'm getting out of the car before I go into work. Whatever Sean Payton wants to do is fine. I just keep saying that because I have to believe that the things he's doing are going to make the team better. And so I just got to buy into it that whatever he wants to do is fine because whatever happened in the last seven years was not fine. And maybe in the end, we'll look back on this and go, whatever Sean Payton did was not fine also, but I just don't think that that's the case. And I'm not going to think that way until I absolutely have to. I've made this comparison before and we'll get into, you mentioned Russell Wilson. We'll get into that after this, but what he did in 2006, his first season with the new Orleans saints up until that season, the new Orleans saints were a garbage franchise. There is no other way to describe that franchise up until Sean Payton was the head coach. And in his first season, he takes a downtrodden garbage franchise to the Super Bowl. It's, you know what's interesting when you when you Or talk at least about to the that, NFC Championship game. Right, yeah, I think they I, lost to the Bears. I, I believe they did, and then they went to the Super Bowl um, a couple of years later and, and defeated Peyton Manning and the Colts. And, and that's probably actually a good thing because it, you know, if he win, if he wins to an Indian, anyway, I digress with that. But it's it's interesting that you you sort of you you talk about the New Orleans Saints as a garbage franchise. And for people who listen to this podcast that didn't grow up in the '80s and '90s, I remember as a kid in the late '80s when teams played in New Orleans, it was commonplace to see fans with the paper bags over their head, right? the embarrassing sort of this is our franchise and we love them, but we don't want people to know who we are kind of thing. And, and it, and they were a laughing stock and a joke. The ain'ts. The ain'ts. Absolutely. The ain'ts. And they had a couple of moments in the nineties that I do remember where they were, they were okay. Where they almost made the playoffs. I think they made the playoffs once or twice, uh, but not in a row. And it was usually fluky. It was it was one of the laughing stock franchises, and it was the Saints along with the Cardinals, along with the New England Patriots, along with you know there were teams that were just 
They were never good, and they were never going to be good, and you never had to worry about them. Now, the NFL is different today than it was in the in the 80s, in the 70s, and whatnot. But to go into a place like that, where the tradition is losing, where the tradition is we're garbage, and we know we're garbage, and we're always going to be garbage, and it just is what it is, and we've got fans that show up anyway, and yeah, we don't know what they look like because they wear paper bags on their heads, but at least they're there. To take that and turn them into a perennial playoff team that wins a Super Bowl, goes to two Super I mean, what what more can you ask for? What more can you ask for as a franchise? And the Broncos, for the last seven years, have been an embarrassment. An absolute embarrassment. So, yeah, I'm good with Sean Payton showing up and fixing it. And in terms of Russell Wilson... He acted based on the the media who are out at at OTA, and you can see the pictures if you get on social media, whatever platform you choose to use. There are photos of Russ looking, I would say, a, a lot fitter, but at least fitter than he was a season ago, and I I think that's a positive development. And Sean Payton was asked his impressions of Russell Wilson. These guys are doing well and he's picking it up. The timing and all those things that are required for the first five weeks, we were just hit lifting and running. Now we're getting into some football activity. We are ahead of schedule on the practice. He's picking it up good. Eh, that makes me cringe. He's picking it up well. He looks good and looks sharp. <laughs> the uh, English teacher alarm did go off in my head a little bit there. So I, I think that's, and we've said this before, when it comes to the Broncos, when it comes to making predictions, when it comes to betting this team and whether or not you're going to go with the over or the under on the wins, which is still eight and a half, it's all predicated on Russell Wilson and what he looks like, how he picks up this offense. Obviously, this is the first practice, way too early to tell, but the fact that it looked like he was motivated in the offseason to get trim and to get fit, let's ride. And apparently he was maybe on a Peloton. Perhaps he and can you imagine him and Sierra just like riding together and, and, and having a good time and, and, and doing their thing and whatnot. I actually wanted to, to, to talk about you, you brought up the betting aspect and it is one of those things that uh, is something that we like to try and focus on. And we talked a little bit about this in the pre-show fist fight last week or two weeks ago. Now it's been so long. Um, before we recorded and we decided to hold off on it, but I want to bring it up. I want your opinion on this. Um, there's, there's a couple of bets and I'm looking at DraftKings just because uh, that was the app that I pulled up first. And I knew they had these uh, Broncos team specials. There is, there are, there are two things that as a, as a, a better, as someone who is uh, a betting fan, there are two or three bets that stand out to me that involve Russell Wilson. So I just want your opinion on it. Uh, the first one that stands out to me, uh, they have Russell Wilson, 400 plus passing yards in two plus regular season games at plus 500. They have Russell Wilson, 500 plus passing yards in any individual regular season game at plus 1200. Those two bets look to me like maybe, I don't know. In what, terms what are your of thoughts value, on that? In- I, it, so we're value betters yep. where, and this is where it's not really 
betting per se. There's always going to be a gambling aspect to it. But this is where it's kind of like a stock or a trade where you're finding the value and that's where it's you're you're going to have minimal losses because with us we're you're like a dollar maybe 5 I go upwards. I go between ten and thirty. I just put five That's down on something, and, and and I put it down. On, I put five down on something, and I'll tell you what it was after you get done with the explanation. I apologize. So it, it's more of a stock in a trade where you're you're finding the value. You're looking for the best number, and I think in terms of those two, the one of oh, two four hundred plus passing yards game passing yard games. I think has great value, but I also think there's potential for it to happen because of the receivers that Russell Wilson has because of Tim Patrick being back because of the additions to the offensive line, but also because of one of the guys they drafted and that's Mims out of Oklahoma. He's going to potentially be that deep threat that we all thought K.J. Hamler would be. But as you always say, the best ability is availability, and K.J. Hamler cannot stay on the field. Well, Mims should be able to. And that's going to bring an element that is so huge to a Sean Payton offense. So I think the two 400-yard games is not just great value, but I think it could happen. The 501 it would have to be almost you're going against just a, a bad defense and he just clicks. I would I, I think the value is so good as you said at plus twelve hundred. That's such good value. You might as well do it. You could do ten bucks, you're gonna win hundred and twenty. So I think at that point, absolutely I you're you're gonna like I said, minimal losses, huge gain. And there's potential for it. So I think both of those are are intriguing just based on I think one of them has really good potential to hit. One of them could, but at such good value, you're not going to lose much. So that's kind of where my head was at with that, and I probably am going to throw a little money on both of those. But the one I just put $5 on, it's, it, it involves Russell Wilson. And it, it involves one of those receivers that you were talking about, but not by name, just the group itself one of the receivers from that group. And so the, the the other team special that I that I like, and the value may not be as good because it's just plus 300 right now. I don't know that that will change, but I went ahead and put $5 down on it. I got a little excited maybe, pulled the trigger too soon. Russell Wilson, 4,000 plus regular season passing yards, which in today's NFL is not unheard of. This is the other one, though. This is the one that I think makes it a tricky bet. Jerry Judy, 8-plus regular season receiving touchdowns. So if those two things happen, that's plus 300. I just put $5 down on it just because I saw it last week before we recorded. I liked it. I wasn't sure if I was going to do anything with it. I saw it again today, and I thought, I'm going to put some money down on it. I think I think there's value in it. Plus 300 isn't huge, but... You know, it's it's a win if it's a win. And it's better value than plus 120. So, and that's where I think it's good to where you, you took a little time, but you went with your gut. And I think that's 
one of the other things about betting is listen to your gut. Yeah, you, you got to kind of go with what you're comfortable with, right? Because you can overthink it. Yeah. Yeah, and I am so I am an I, overthinker. I, I, so that's where it needs to be. Listen to your gut. Because your gut has... There's that whole that old adage about your that gut feeling. Well, there's more nerves in your gut. There's more all that stuff. This is a philosophical thing that has way more than your brain. So that's why you get your gut feeling. So listen to your gut, but listen to your first one. That's that's my advice. And then the other one, we always talk about DraftKings, but line shop. It is a good thing to have multiple books to find the book that has the best value. Whether it's FanDuel, in Colorado, you have 25 options. So there are any number of ways to line shop if you're in Colorado. Have multiple books. It doesn't mean that you use them all, but you're just finding the way, finding the book that has the best value. And I, as an example, I was looking for a couple of, I was looking for a bet to put on Nikola Jokic to win the NBA Finals MVP. I was line shopping. So I went to multiple books to find the one that had the best odds. And those are the two that I went with because a couple of them had adjusted their odds way up. And I got it at a a better number. And I mean, that's just, that would be my advice in terms of betting is line shop, listen to your gut. I like those. That's that's good advice. It's interesting. You bring up the nuggets and and we don't, uh, don't do too much with basketball, obviously. Uh, we are um, we are sort of Colorado bent when it comes to our 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 fandom, aside from baseball, because you know, let's not get carried away here. But uh, <laughs> what is there to root for? Although I will say, no, I'm not going to. I'm not going to say anything about the Colorado Rockies, and I'll just leave it at that. And if you know, you know, and if you don't know, that's okay. But you did mention you wanted to talk a little bit about the Nugs, and, and I'm I'm for it here. I'm a big Jokic guy. I really like what he sort of represents, which is you know a guy who doesn't do things in a traditional way, but just gets things done. And just day in, day out, night after night, he shows up, he does his job, and he's having a, a pretty good run in the playoffs. And and you mentioned something that you wanted to talk about. And so I'm going to, I'm going to allow you to talk a little about the, the nuggets, even though they're in the playoffs and I, it makes me nervous. It's not a preview because, and, and those listening to this on a Friday, the Boston Celtics just won game five. So this is going to go back to Miami for a game six. I, you mentioned the baseball. It's no surprise. Those of those who have listened to this podcast or, or know anything about us. We're both huge Yankees fans. The idea that another Boston team could come back from an 0-3 deficit triggers me to no end. I just threw up. Yeah. So aside from that, there's a comparison that I want to make, and I want to get your thoughts on it. We're obviously a Broncos podcast, so this is going to have a Broncos tinge to it. But the Denver Nuggets have been around since the mid-70s. They started in the ABA. They were originally the Denver Rockets, originally became the Denver Nuggets. They went to an ABA championship game under Coach Larry Brown. Mm. They've had some of the greatest players in NBA history. 
David Thompson, Alex English, Dan Issel, Kiki Vandeweghe, Bob Beck. You can go into the the 80s with, I, I mentioned Alex English, but you also then get to Kembe Matumbo. You get Antonio McDice, Mac, Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf. Steph Curry a little before, bit before Steph that. Curry was Steph Curry, right? On the, the guy that I mimicked my shot after when I played basketball was Walter Davis. Okay. You're not going to talk Carmelo. about Melo? So... <laughs> Well, I, I think eventually his name should be up in the rafters, and Absolutely. that's going to probably trigger some people. Kenyon Martin. But, okay, not to step on your toes here, but that was a fun era of basketball. The the Allen Iverson, Kenyon Martin, Carmelo George Anthony, Carl, George Carl. That, 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 that was a fun team. They didn't get it done, but it was a fun I went. I remember I went to several of those games. I really enjoyed them, uh, and it was disappointing they didn't get it done. But I think Carmelo – he deserves it. what Carmelo did. The, the team turned around when Carmelo was drafted and went to the playoffs the first year he was in the NBA. LeBron James didn't do that for the Cavs. So, you know, just to kind of put that out there. But then, I, all right, I apologize. I, what am I doing? But that leads into the the Nuggets exercised so many demons. Their first ever playoff victory over the Los Angeles Lakers. They were 0-7 against the Lakers. 0-3 in the Western Conference Finals. 85, 2009, and then in the bubble a couple of years ago. First ever playoff sweep. First ever Western Conference win. First ever NBA Finals appearance. The comparison that I have is to that Super Bowl run in 1997. Hmm. where the Denver Broncos exercised so many demons. They made up for the loss the year before against the Jacksonville Jaguars. They go on the road into Arrowhead Stadium and beat the Kansas City Chiefs. They go on the road into Three River Stadium and beat the Pittsburgh Steelers. And then they head to the Super Bowl, where every single person thought, oh, here we go again. The Broncos were almost a two-touchdown underdog to Brett Favre and the Green Bay Packers in Super Bowl 32. Every single person, every fan media person said, here we go again. The Broncos and John Elway are going to get blown out in a Super Bowl. And they do the unthinkable. And every single person here just thought and heard Dave Logan saying what he did on the radio when it finally became evident that they were, they were going to win the Super Bowl. In terms of sports in Colorado, what the Nuggets are doing is the closest to that that I have witnessed and experienced as a fan. Wow. More than 2001 with Ray Bork and the Avs, more than last year with the Avs. And I can't really speak to the first Stanley Cup in 95-96 because we were both freshmen in high school or going into our freshman years in high school, not really aware or cognizant. I mean, it was the first major it was, championship. It was fun. But... It was fun. You know, it's interesting. I would say this Nuggets run is the closest thing, and it I think it's right there with that Super Bowl run. I think you could be right. There's a you know, there's there's a different there's a different feel to it though. When we watched the Broncos in ninety seven, that felt like an ending, right? 
John Elway was on his, literally on his last legs. And I know that they came back and they won it the next year and, and the team was, was even better and whatnot. And they limped through that the end of that 97 season. In fact, what a lot of people forget is that they were the number one seed, uh, at least as far as if the, if, you know, you always get the, if the season ended today, the Denver Broncos would have home field advantage throughout the playoffs. And then they started losing games at the end of the season. They lost to Kansas city. They lost, I mean, they, they struggled. They lost, I believe they lost to Pittsburgh, right? I mean, they, they, they lost to the teams that they ended up beating the Jaguars, the chiefs, the Steelers on their way to that super bowl against the Packers. Um, is my brain working correctly? They also lost to the Packers on Monday night that season, if I'm not mistaken. I'm trying to trying to piece that together. But I think that they beat every opponent that they beat in the playoffs was a team they had lost to in the in the regular season. I could be wrong about that, but I think I'm pretty darn close. For the Nuggets, this is a young team. This is a, a new feeling. And this is something where the, the demons that were exercised weren't even their own demons. They weren't even, it, I mean, the beating the Lakers was somewhat theirs because of what happened in the bubble. But to me, the bubble was such a weird sort of basketball experience that I, I almost can't really grasp on to what it was, right? It was just not normal. And this was a normal regular season with normal playoffs, with a, with, with a real opponent in front of them that was a bugaboo. And so you're right in the in the sense that they did exercise some demons that that should give them a, a a little bit of a way to relax. Now, as far as what happens moving forward, I think that until they win a championship, it's hard to really say that the demons have been exercised. And I know maybe I'm being harsh because in sports, winning a championship is is incredibly difficult, and so you really can't. You can't, you can't, well, it was a failure. And I, I, I will bring up uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo who gave that great speech about failure after the Bucks were knocked out of the playoffs and talked about, is it a failure? No, it's part of the process. It's part of the growth and, and moving towards something. And I believe the Nuggets are on that path and they have a, a wonderful one-two punch with, with Jokic and, 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 and Jamal Murray. And they've got great players that, compliment them and Aaron Gordon and Michael Porter Jr. And it, it's that, that team is so much fun to watch. I'm not sure that I think that they're exactly like that Broncos team in 97, but there is a good comparison there with, with just having to go through teams that you've struggled with in the past that have been that, that team in your way. The run that I kind of think of though, and, and it's not so much about the results or the way that they do it, uh, because the Nuggets were, are clearly awesome and and one of the best teams in the NBA and have proved it day in and day out. But the run, at least in the sense of how it is impacting Denver and the Colorado sports scene, is the one that it reminds me of the one the Rockies went on when they had Rocktober and Matt Holiday was on the team and they ended up going to the World Series and they won, what was it, like a 1,000 games in a row in a 30-day span or some some junk like that. It was, it was crazy. Like, what they did to get into the playoffs was nuts. And then they get to the World Series and they get swept by, and I don't want to say it, um, and so I won't. But, but I remember people who didn't watch baseball, who didn't know sports, 
were calling and texting and talking to people like myself. And isn't this exciting? Isn't this amazing? Can you believe this is happening? I get that feeling more so from this because of just the way that it's happening, even though it's, they're two totally different teams. Like that Rockies team was, was nowhere near good enough to actually be in the world series. They just, they went on a run. This Nuggets team deserves everything that they get because they are well coached. They play together. They have a connection with one another. There's continuity between the things that they're trying to do. And they've got a quarterback that just owns the floor offensively. And you can talk about how bad they are on defense or whatever. It it hasn't been a problem yet. I have no idea what it will be in the future. But you're right. There's there's it's isn't it fun? I will make a, another Broncos comparison. And Good. I I kind of I, I I kind of cringe at the Rockies comparison cuz that was such a fluke. Right, but like, it was it, it's it's not so much a comparison to the team as it is to the feeling that it created in the community. I would say now that I think about it and we I we neither of us were alive for it. But that Super Bowl run by the Denver Broncos in 1977, that 1977 season, the what it did to the city of Denver and how it got everyone so amped up and excited. That what that's what started Broncos country. That's what started Broncos fever in this in this city and this region was that first Super Bowl run. So maybe that's the better comparison, but neither of us were alive for it. We've heard stories about yeah, it. You can ask We've the old read man, about ask it. your mom, yeah. So I maybe that's the better comparison, but in terms of just the excitement and just the that level of it's like a, a level of inevitability. Like I, I don't want to get carried away with all of this and I don't want to do what we usually do, but I will say if the nuggets do go on to win the NBA championship, you're going to see a parade that will equal anything the Broncos have produced because this organization dates back. Like I said, to the seventies, there are longstanding longtime fans, hardcore fans of the Denver nuggets. And I'll end it with this. I hope the Cronkies fly out all of those legendary players that I mentioned, and they bring them into Ball Arena, and they celebrate this organization. And this is a wake-up call to the rest of the country that this is a very, very special organization that's had some great players play for it. Alex English, Alex English was left off the top 75 list. All time. Crazy. It's crazy. Well, you know, he played in Denver played in Denver. So, and the other thing I hope is that it it's a, a a sort of a beginning of a really fun year for fans of both the Nuggets and the Broncos as the Broncos have a resurgence with the arrival of Sean Payton. I'm Alex Rodriguez and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify.
Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all.